Before we read the scripture today, I just want to gather you as I would if you were in my living room. And I just want to talk to you because there are so many in our congregation and members more than more than are here that are absent and and uh, because of this COVID thing, and we're going, how many of you know there's prophecies all over this country now? And some, I believe, are prophets of the Lord. Some I don't know about. I leave those things. Here's one thing you can know about listening to a prophecy. God said if it comes true, he's a prophet. If not, he's not. It's not hard. The problem is you just have to wait. Uh, but there are people who I do know here have a ear for the Spirit of God, and I hear some of them. I want to take time this morning to just tell you that I love you as my family, and I want to, I want to just communicate to you, to us as a church family, but I want this to go to the family of God all over this globe. So I'm going to do something. Technology is wonderful, isn't it? You can just do all kinds of things. I'm going to uh, try to draw for you, and I don't be spellbound about the artistic uh, talent that I have. But I want you to follow me. I'm going to give you, and with many, many, many details left out, I just want to give you a simple structure of what I believe the end times, not the end of the world, but the, the end times are going to look like, and where we are, I believe, on a prophetic scale in very simplistic terms. I, I just, just to give it to you, I know there's a lot of people who disagree, but just, just want to tell you what, where I believe we are. So if you will, watching a chronological line, here is the cross, and we are, whoops, am I not up there? Here's the cross, and <clears throat> we're going to get there. Sorry. Imagine a cross in your mind. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, this, this is the cross. How many of you are glad you're this side of the cross? Here's a chronological timeline of which we are looking forward, our future. If you want to know where I believe we are in the timeline of what the future is going to be, I believe we are very close. Church. If you can imagine that's a church with a steeple. The rapture of the church. I believe the saints of God are going to be taken and it could happen any moment. We're going to go to be with the Lord. There in heaven there will be a period of seven years. That seven years will have two major issues that will happen in heaven with the saints. First of all, we'll be at the Bema Seat, B-E-M-A, Bema Seat of Christ. This is the judgment seat of Christ. This is where we're going to be rewarded or we lose our reward whether we were faithful or unfaithful. And then there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb where we will sit with our Lord. While that's going on in heaven, these seven years will be divided on earth into three and a half years and three and a half years. This is tribulation and this is great tribulation and you're going to see all the prophecies of revelation unfold on planet earth. This is where the mark of the beast is coming. This is where the hailstones are going to weigh 200 pounds. This is where you think there's judgment and tough times today. Don't be here. Ladies and gentlemen, today's the day of salvation. Do not be here. This is, this is God's prophetic time plan. After that, 
The saints with Christ will return to the earth. This is actually the second coming of Christ. This is when Christ is going to come to earth. His mount, his foot will touch Mount Olivet. It will crack, open, split. There the valley of Armageddon will form. We're going to see all the battles of the armies. That's where Christ will destroy Satan and all of his enemies. At the end of that battle, Satan will be cast in what is called the lake, uh, the bottomless pit. And for, for a thousand years, there will be a millennial reign, a thousand year reign of Christ on this earth. And we get to rule and reign with him. That's why he said, if you'll be faithful over a few things, I'll make you rulers with me over many. And for a thousand years, we're going to know peace finally. And by the way, from about here back is 6,000 years. And this will be a thousand years. This is six days of man. And then the seventh day is God's final plan. The, just a week, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. Just, yeah, but please understand, I've left out literally hundreds of details. But during that, after that millennial reign, Satan will be loosed. For what is called a short season. How's that look? A short season. And he will, he will try to tempt all those that were born through this time. When that's over, Satan will be bound in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever. Good riddance. During that time, while that's going on, after the end of that season, in heaven will be the great white throne judgment. This is where all the sinners, this is where all those who disobeyed, this is where all those who did not follow Christ will be brought to the judgment of Christ. After that, while that's going on, there will be a new heaven and a new earth will be renovated by fire and that will be the eternal kingdom after the great white throne judgment heaven is going to set out on the new earth and we're going to inhabit heaven we're going to go through all these things and ladies and gentlemen God has planned a great future for those who believe in his son Jesus Christ that is simple I hope it didn't confuse you and didn't bother you but that's an introduction with that in mind let's look in Jude chapter one, because there's only one. I want to read some words to you of Jude. Jude 1, verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Watch these words. Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Contend how? Contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. Keep your Bibles open or your phone, whatever you have for the word there. I'm going to be coming to many, several verses a little bit later. Jude is a small book, but it is not small in its significance. Every word that you read in the book of Jude, every word he utters roars with thunder. He minces no words. He says what he means, means what he says. It is short, but it is powerful. It is also significant in a second thing, and that is this, because of where it's placed in the whole of Scripture. Jude is placed in the middle of the before and after. 
Everything before, here's what's coming after. Jude is that little bitty space between before and after. And watch this. It is at the end of this present age, but it is at the beginning of the future age. It is a stop sign, a major intersection in the timing that God has in His plan for this planet. The Holy Spirit was speaking to Jude, and he said, write. And Jude thought that he would write as all the other New Testament, perhaps like Paul did or the gospel writers, prophets of old. He thought he would write about salvation and the things that Christ has done and God has done to, to affect us eternally in our salvation. That's what he thought. But when he began to write the Holy Spirit as if, as if Jude were a newscaster, as if Jude were a last day news anchor. So picture with me, just in an imaginatory way, here's Jude on a major network across the world. He's going to speak about the news, and the Holy Spirit says something like this, late breaking news. This just in from the news desk. Here is a just a brand new news alert. And suddenly everything he planned to say has changed. This is an interruption in the norm of things. How many of you know a few months ago the world was interrupted? We're living in it. Here's the crux though of what Jude starts to write and how he goes from there. He begins with Genesis. And travels through the entire Old Testament in a short synopsis about how God had worked for those 6,000 years with humanity through the old covenants of the Old Testament. The Edenic, Noahic, the Abrahamic, Mosaic, Priestly Covenant, Davidic Covenant, the Palestinian Covenant, all those covenants. All those tries where God tried to get men to understand. He tried to depend on Israel to live the example. All those centuries, God gave men every ability and opportunity that they could have. Then, Jude goes on to the New Testament where he remembers that God personally came to effect salvation. He sent his son. Listen, we know God's shoe size because he walked in sandals along the seashore. He was God himself. He came incarnate to show us, to effect salvation. Then, after he died and resurrected, we come to Pentecost. Then we come to the church age. And then will come, very shortly, the revelation. The revelation of the future. The revelation of what will be the eternal kingdom. But then, Jude received this late breaking news flash. God is saying in the little book of Jude to I believe this world today, I have written laws and statutes all these centuries. I have I, I have created you. I've created you to love you. I've created you to spend eternity with me. I've given you every 
kind of measure that I can. I've given you mercy. I have sacrificed many things through 6,000 years. I've given commandments. I have sent my spirit. I've sent my seers. I've sent my prophets. I've sent my kings. I've sent my leaders. I have planned an eternity for you. And now, just before I reveal the end time events, just before the future unfolds, just before the return of my son, during that little short interim, keep some things in mind. And I want to stand before you today and speak to you live on the internet. I believe God has some instructions for us for the next few days. Days, pastor? Yes. Months? Yes. Perhaps years? I think less. From verses 4 through verses 19, Jude gave us that history, and he rehearses God's dealing with apostates. These are people who God drew to himself. They apostatized. They rejected God. They said, you're archaic. We don't want your rules. We don't want your regulations. Nobody tells us what to do. Nobody dictates morals to us. Nobody dictates any kind of societal arrangement with us. We all want to be gods to ourselves. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be what I want to be. I want to do everything I want to do. That's the whole concept of God without uh, men without God. Where he wants to be his own God and he has no restrictions and no restraints. That's a good definition of sin. So, God deals with these apostates and backsliders and false teachers galore. And those who are depraved and those who are corrupt, they become depraved and corrupt societies. God reminded. And Jude describes them. I won't go through, but just watch these verses in front of you. Here's a profile of an apostate. Listen and see if today it doesn't sound much, much, if not exactly like what we're dealing with in this hour. An apostate is a person that's ungodly. I have no use for, don't want to recognize, and won't recognize God. They are, secondly, in verse 4, morally perverted. I want to state it. I want to say it. I want to say it because it's true. When it comes to sexual relationships and men and women, we are created in a higher order than the animal kingdom. It is God who said sex is to be contained in marriage and it must be between a man or a woman. And anything other than that is perverted. And I don't care if this late society wants to change it. You can come up with all the genders you want. But God made a man for a woman and a woman for a man. Change that and you're going to bring judgment on yourself. Don't blame it on God. And boy, I know I'll get mail and all that. Listen, God is in charge of this thing. And you just because we don't like it doesn't mean He's going to change it. This is one of those things I better get easy. They deny Christ. Anybody that stands in the way of what they want to do, especially if it's righteousness, let's just deny Him. They defile the flesh. Jude said they take what they know and what they want. They take the hormone. They take all the freedoms. They take all the desires. They take all the food. They want to do everything they want to with it, and they defile their flesh with it. They're rebellious. In your face, cynical, fight back. Listen, look at, look at, the, look at the, the spirit that's loose in this world today. It's a rebellious spirit. 
They revive holy angels. They will speak evil of dignities. The scripture said they will call what is good evil and what is evil they'll call it good. Tell me we're not there. They're dreamers. They dream about how they're going to have everything for nothing. This Joe, Joe, uh, Jude said in verse 10, they're ignorant, they are corrupted in their minds, they are grumblers, they are fault finders. Have you ever seen how negative, ladies and gentlemen, the spirit in the world is today? Amen. Arrogant speakers, they'll get in your face, they bite back. The one thing they've learned how to do is to argue. Although there's not much content to it, they try to convince you of it. They're flatterers, con artists. Do you know there's some Pied Pipers today and millions are following people that don't even know where they're going? And incapable of leading. You say, why in the world are you preaching like this, Pastor? Because somebody has to say the truth and somebody needs to get to our minds and help us somewhere. They will be mockers of God and the people of God. They'll say, you're ignorant and all that. They'll put us down. They'll mock us. The Scripture said in Jude said in verse 19, they are worldly minded. They take all their values from a human reasoning standpoint of view. Why don't you just leave everybody alone and let everybody do everything they want to do? I'll tell you why. Because God loves them and Satan's marching them straight to hell. And you and I are called to try to help them. And though they will despise us and though they will reject us, it doesn't mean that us and God don't love them. We do. We're trying to help. But Satan has you so blinded, you cannot perceive the truth. They cause division. And the Scripture says they are without the Spirit of God. Then, however, I don't know what the time is, but then Jude gets to deliver the good news. Thank God there's some good news. Amen. We arrive at verse 20. And here's what I want to say to the church and the church at large. We arrive at verse 20 and here's another sudden change in direction. All of a sudden, after all that, it says, but you beloved. And this group was described in verse 1. It says, we are called. How many of you want to be called of God? It means that we have heard the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth and we have believed it and we have followed the God of our salvation. We're called. It says like we sing, we are sanctified. We are set apart by God. Thirdly, it says we are preserved in Christ. Aren't you glad that He can keep us? I desire, ladies and gentlemen, and declare this morning in 2020, I want to be present and numbered with that crowd called, sanctified, and preserved by the eternal Christ. I desire to be in company of those who are known as those who have repented and they are beloved of God. Yes, this crowd... We are, I know it, I see it, I feel it, I experience it. We are mocked, we are ridiculed, we are despised, we are even hated. We are unwanted in a hell-bound society. But twice-born men, women, and young people, hear me. God loves us, and He's planned a heaven and eternity for us. Young people, mom and dad, whatever you do, become a beloved of God. Whatever you do, get into the eternal family of the redeemed and stay there. These are last day instructions. Be in that crowd. So here's our instructions, we who are beloved. Number one, 
Build, but look at verse 20. Build up yourselves. Mom, dad, young people, families, it is too late in the age for discord in the family. I can't tell you, I'm sad to say, even in thousands of Christian homes, there are people who have not reconciled their problems, their differences, their disagreements. There are Christians sitting in pews this morning by the thousands that are filled with bitterness. Whatever you do, go and try to reconcile yourself. Get this behind you. We are far too late in this age for disunity in the church. Surely it means something more than the color of the carpet and how bright the lights are. Surely there's something more to what we do than that. My God, help us wake up. We are to build ourselves up time and again. Excuse me. In Scripture, the Holy Spirit admonishes that you and I are to honor and prefer one another. You know what that means? It doesn't mean we have to agree, but we don't fuss and fight. Just stop it. And even though a lot of things in your house that's being argued about don't amount to a hill of beans, except you just want your way. Boy, that's plain. The Scripture admonishes us to love and encourage one another. God's Word commands us to encourage and to be spirit lifters. Folks, there's enough negative from all the outside. There's sufficient trouble from a dedicated enemy of our souls. There are already enough fiery darts in this world. Household of faith, let us come in last day instruction and whatever we do, build each other up in our faith. Amen. Encourage one another. This is a book of hope. This is a book of power. We sing about it. This is a relationship of a powerful God. Satan will always try to get us to be negative. He'll always try to get us to be critical. He'll always try to get, get us to be selfish and think everything should go our way. And I'm going to pause right there. Not only to get a drink of water. I know we're all, I know, I know we're human. There's enough against us. Let's don't be against one another. Mom, dad, young person, always be a part of the solution and never part of the problem. Young people at home, don't be a part of the problem, be a part of the solution. You don't like the way mom, dad's doing things, go sit down and talk with them. You'd be surprised what, you know what, young person, if, if there's a... There's a fracas going on inside the home. If you just said, Mom, Dad, I think we just need to sit down and have a talk. The first thing you'd have to do is get them back out of a fainted place. Water maybe and get them back to consciousness and actually communicate and build up one another. If we don't have it in our homes, it's not going to be in this society. Secondly, build yourself up on your most holy faith. This is where we need to take our shoes off. Listen, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of faiths today all over this planet, a virtual smorgasbord of faiths. But hear what is true. There is, there is only one holy faith because there is only one holy 
And this thing you and I believe and we raise our hands to and we sing and we proclaim it and we live it. Everything we struggle with in the sense of right and wrong in our relationship with God. Let me tell you, we are involved in a holy faith. Our God, the God of this writing, the God of our salvation, He is holy, He is pure, He is undefiled, unchangeable, immutable. He's without spot, He's without blemish, and He is righteous. He is righteous in His judgments, He is righteous in His mercy. Generation 2020, listen to me young people, not only in this sanctuary, but across this globe. Beware of what and who you follow. Don't be deceived right here what you're following now. See how these people turn out. See what they believe leads them to. Look further down the road. You may not want to be a part of what you think you do. See how their lives turn out. How many of you know it's getting quiet now? Let me go on. Thirdly, in verse 20, he says, Build up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. There are so many doctrinal positions on this particular subject in Scripture. Denominations have been divided over it. I just want to say, as a New Testament believer, I will take my part with Paul the Apostle, who wrote most of the epistles in the New Testament church, inspired New Testament, New Covenant, inspired by the Holy Spirit. To the Romans, this man wrote about the Spirit of God. He said, when we do not know how we should pray when Satan comes in such a straight, straight manner and we're overwhelmed, he said, this Spirit in us will make intercession for us. And he mentioned even the fact that the Spirit might even groan, but it can be understood because the Spirit speaks it to God. And to the Corinthians, he declared, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he's in reference to the baptism that came at Pentecost. And, and the day of Pentecost, I know there were 16 nationalities there. I know there were 16 earthly languages there. But that doesn't limit the fact that the Spirit of God spoke to them. Here's why. Paul, in the love chapter, after he told us the gifts in chapter 12, and what, how he's going to tell us in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, how the gifts work, right in the middle he stops in chapter 13, which we call the love chapter. And he said, I don't care. Though I speak in tongues of men and what? Angels. He is in reference to a heavenly empowered ability to pray in the Spirit of God. And he said, and you, those who say, well, it ended with uh, the 12 apostles, I got news for you. There wasn't 12 apostles in the upper room. There were 120 that received the Spirit. And if you read through the rest of Acts, you'll find where 3,000 did and 500 did. And the Peter goes on in the second chapter of Acts, verse 39. He said, for this promise is to you, to your children, and who all are afar off, meaning time will bring, and as many as the Lord our God will call. This power did not cease with the death of the apostles. This power is here in the New Testament church today. And I don't agree with a lot that a lot of people have done with it. I think we've abused it, misused it. But listen, Satan would do everything that he can to keep us from owning the power of God. All that to say, and I'll suffice it this morning to say this. Jude said, build yourselves up. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. 
praying in the Holy Spirit. And all I want to say is this morning from the instruction of the Word, thanks be to God for salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for the fact that we've been baptized in water as a testimony in an outward water grave where we're resurrected to live for our Christ. But I want to stand today unashamedly and say thank you God for the baptism of fire that that John the Baptist promised and I was raised in a home that we understood it that gives me as a twice born believer supernatural gift to be able to pray against the power of the enemy in a language he doesn't know but it's known in heaven and God and I become a majority no wonder God said you are more than victorious because we have the power of God in us And Jude says, in the last day, build yourselves up praying in this supernatural gift. (coughs) Number four, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. If you remember grammar in studying, there's an understood subject here. When it just says the verb keep, yourselves the object verb keep yourselves in the love of God there's an understood subject you so I want you to hear me the scripture says you keep yourself in the love of God it is a spiritual discipline it is a purposeful garrison it is daily a daily determination of purposeful choice it is simply this Jude says keep yourself in the love of God. Nobody can hurt you without your permission. Don't you let what somebody, anybody says deter where you're headed in God. It simply is this. Maintain a good attitude and a biblical perspective. That is keeping yourself in the love of God. How many of you just like to chew somebody out? Don't raise your hand. How many of you, somebody just jumps in you, you just want to chew them back. You just want to get back in their face. Have a good attitude. Show the Spirit of Christ. Have a biblical perspective. It's simply the idea of this. Jude, Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God. Let me try to be practical with it. He says, I will not allow the world and its values. I will not let circumstance... I will not let discouragement. I will not let trials and troubles. I will not allow bad news on every hand to embitter my soul or my spirit. Because, here's Paul, nothing can separate me from the love of God. But do you know what? When he lists that, everything Paul listed in that declaration will try to discourage you. Anybody here ever had any trials? How about temptations? How about ever been times when the, the month was shorter than the money? I mean, uh, longer than the money. How about, how about distress? How about today against age rulers of darkness? Wickedness in high places. How about the spirit of lawlessness that is abounding in this world? Everything he listed there said it'll come against you, but nothing will separate us from the love of God. Saints in 2020, hear the apostle cry out, Yes, in all these we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. But you have to make that decision. 
Jude instructs us to keep yourself, your family, your loved ones, and your family of faith in the love of God. We're to encourage one another. Come on, Mike, let's love God. Come on, Mike, let's put on the bowels of mercy. Come on, John, let's be let's be lovers of those who are lost and dying. Come on, guys, let's get off the TV so much and listen to some good news from God's Word instead of that stupid blue screen. I mean that wonderful blue screen. <laughs> we have to encourage each other. Because I'm telling you, there's enough out there to discourage you. Let me just stop and say something. If you dwell on that, that'll eat you alive. If you dwell on that, that's what Satan wants you to do. If you keep... Do you, some of you, I, this is a new thing. I just the reason I said that because I remember when I was younger, it was the new thing. I hadn't heard it in years now. Some of you may think this is new, but we used to say garbage in, garbage out. How many of that's the first time you heard that? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> okay. Got to be careful what you allow to get in your spirit. Here, here's the last one. No, next to the last one. Verse 21, looking to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your mind on the right things. Paul wrote to the Colossians, set your affections on things above. That won't happen automatically. You will have to love the things above on purpose. Because if you don't love them on purpose, Satan will, will so sting your heart and so overwhelm you with what's happening in this world. The scripture says even the love of many will wax cold. Keep yourself in the love of God looking to Jesus. In Proverbs it says, guard your heart with all diligence. Church, believers, let us be reassured. And I know, I know this goes blatantly against what much of the world believes today. I'll take this book over any person in the world. Only Christ, only Christ provides eternal life. Only Christ has paid the sin debt for us. Only Christ has all power in heaven and in earth. Only Christ has returned from the dead to resurrect us so that when he rules and reigns, we can be with him. He's the only one. He is the only Christ that is coming back looking for a bride that is obedient, blood-washed, without spot or wrinkle, waiting for him. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 if you want to know. Another one of the lies of Satan is there's hundreds and thousands of faiths and it doesn't matter which one you follow, they all wind up at the same place. Let me tell you something, all of them but one does. And the last one, why? I want to say corporate body of believers, Christ's legacy, to our church family, in your homes, hospital rooms, to all those who we're reaching in the households of Facebook on the screen and as individuals. May we determine in this little short interim between the time of the ending of the present age and the beginning of the judgments, let us be a part of the remnant of Christ and make our calling and election sure. Why? Here's the last one. Because Jude goes down 
to verse 24. Let me just read it. 24, listen to this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's why you want to be in the beloved of God. That's why you want to build yourselves up. That's why you want to know what it is to pray in the Spirit. That's why you want to know how to keep in the love of God. Listen to him. He is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. I want you to think about that a second. How many in this room are faultless? He is able to present you faultless before the throne of God. And listen to this. And His glory with exceeding joy. With exceeding joy. So let's determine something. I say to all of you outside this sanctuary this morning. I just want to be as straightforward as I can. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend eternity? And I will tell you frankly that you can get caught up in all the movements and all the things going on on this sin-cursed planet and you can stand for some good and solid things. But if you don't know the author of this book, you are not headed for a heaven that you want to believe in. You're headed for a hell you do not want to believe in. Church, how many of you know that's true? It's true. We have to know. We have to say it. I wouldn't hear and call because everybody loved me and everybody would be my friend. I'm called to tell you the truth of this book. Not in all the centuries of man's history on this planet has not not one of those who followed Satan ever made it to heaven. But those who are under the blood of Christ, some are already there, some of whom are my family. And I want to be like Joshua of old. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I just wanted to tell you, like I would tell to my children, my grandchildren, here's what we need to do. Let's make sure we're beloved of the Lord. Let's build one another up. Thank God we're on a holy faith. Let us pray in the Spirit of God. Keep ourselves in the love of God. Looking to Jesus Christ because one day, this Word says, He's going to present us acceptable. Spotless. Faultless. Before God. Please don't raise your hand. How many of you have seen some of my faults? Thank you. Talk about temptation. Talk about temptation. Thank you. But he doesn't see any. He doesn't see any. I know I'm already too long, but watch this. If we're in Christ... And we have repented and we've come to the Lord and we're twice born. If you were to read this in little John and I'll let you find it because I don't want to do all the work for you all the time. I think you ought to have to dig it out yourself sometime. If I'm in Christ and I make a mistake and I sin, the scripture says we have an advocate with the Father and that advocate is sitting 
at the right hand of God between me and God. And in essence, God says, don't put that on His record. He's in me. And God has not seen my sin. I don't know of a better place to be in eternity than with Christ between me and the Lord because He's paid the price. 